just say we're live. Okay, let's just say that. <laughs> Hello, Kendall Young. Um, thank Hello. you so yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been too long since we did one of these together. Um, we used to do them all the time, and and uh, I don't know, we got out of the habit somehow. But I'm really excited anymore. I, I, I get it. Love you right? just as much as always. <laughs> And um, just like I love all my children. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, all my family, that's what I should say. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really excited to talk about our subject today. The, the topic that we are going to be covering is surviving 2019 as a real estate agent, tips, tricks, and technology. It's a, a four-part series that we're doing. And today we're talking about how there's these uh, <clears throat> national competitors that might be creeping into our markets some people are afraid of them. Some people are not afraid of them and maybe should be more afraid of them or think about it a little bit. They're going to eat our brains. Yeah, the sky is falling. So <laughs> what I wanted to talk about today is what, what we think is coming and what agents and brokers and individual agents, uh, sorry, teams can do to uh, kind of insulate themselves, protect themselves, or continue to grow regardless of what's going on at the national level. So Kendall, um, before we get started here, I just wanted to make sure everybody knows they should be uh, engaged. Ask us questions. You should see a chat bar um, on the side of the webinar broadcast, whatever you want to call it. So please engage with us there. Uh, we will be monitoring questions if you're watching this live. Um, it's Monday, January 21st. So if you're watching this live, we will respond to your questions. Um, and then also, this is being recorded and people will have access to it after if they want to share it with other people. So, um, Kendall, why don't you kick us off with a brief introduction of who you are for those that don't already know. Hi, I'm Kendall Young, first of my name, mother of dragons, breaker of chains. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wrong show. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kendall Young. I am the broker owner of Diggs. Diggs is a residential real estate company matching cool people with cool homes in Glendale, La Cunada, La Crescenta, and the greater north end of the Los Angeles Valley. Uh, we like to say that we specialize in people more than homes. So if you're cool, you're a people, and we'll help you, and we'll make sure you get into the right house or sell the right house as I it goes. I like it. How long have you been um, in this real estate game? Okay, well, you see this gray hair? There's one for every day that I've been. <laughs> um, I, I had I, hair before I started, so. I am well into my 33rd year in real estate as a full-time supporting my family real estate agent, and I'm also a second-generation real estate agent. Real estate royalty. <laughs> so well, you... My mother was called, my mother's first name was B, and she was known in Glendale as the Queen B, which would make <laughs> me the princess. The princess B. I like it. So um, tell me, how long have you been um, with, how, how long ago did you start Diggs? So I launched the brand five years ago, and I've had my broker's license and a full brokerage for three years. And you have been doing a lot of speaking as well. You do lots of traveling. You do lots of speaking. You also attend a lot of training yourself, always learning, always evolving. Um, so how long have you been doing any of that kind of stuff? 
I attended my first Inman Connect in 2010. It was in Manhattan in January, and I saw snow come out of the sky, not even from a machine. It was amazing. Hmm. Since that day, I have embarked on this amazing journey of finding out that the real estate world is so much bigger than my little corner of it. And the ideas and the sharing with agents and broker owners and actually kingmakers throughout the real estate industry, throughout the nation, has been amazing to be able to figure out how to em em embrace those, incorporate that into my business here in Glendale. And the value that it's brought to my agents, to my community and my clients is just it's kind of insane. I mean, for 20 some odd years, I thought I was all alone and frankly, quite crazy. Um, but, but I'm not, I just am not normal. And I don't think anybody listening to this webinar is probably all that normal. The normal agents are sitting around on their butts wishing for a deal to fall on their head. Hmm. So, um, I have another question for you. Did just you, one? did you look at the, at least one more, did you look at the um, eclipse last night? Yes, I did. Okay, I the blood mood. It the was blood pretty mood. amazing. They said, yes. they said, what was it? Super blood wolf moon. That is correct. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not just, sure what the wolf part was, but it was totally a blood mood. Well, I think it's like the, almost like the Chinese calendar where every month they have a name for the, the moon cycle. So this was the wolf cycle because it's oh. January. Yeah, but, but anyway, dragons, I knew, snakes, rats, pigs, even, but no wolves. As a fellow sci-fi nerd, I knew that I would have yes. been disappointed if you hadn't gone out and looked. So anyway, that's no, something else that we we should all know about you. Out there, it was like I don't know, less than fifty degrees. I thought I was going to die, but I was out there. Yeah, it was less than thirty degrees for me, and yes. that was nice and toasty. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, all right, so let's get into the topic at hand here. Um, what? Do you, how do you see the real estate changing? What are some of the most significant changes that are coming down the pike? Maybe let's talk first about from the consumer's perspective, what are they going to be seeing? So, what are they going to be seeing or what are they going to be afraid of? Two different questions. No, just a consumer on the consumer side. What, how's the landscape changing for consumers? So if I was a real estate expert sitting down with a homeowner, I'm not an agent, I'm not a broker. I don't care if they get my business. <clears throat> what am I going to tell them they should be looking forward to or, or ahead to in the next year or two? What the consumer should be looking forward yeah. to. Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. And how many hours are we going to be talking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's pretty, I think, I think the biggest the biggest thing that the consumer is looking forward to is more of what they've been experiencing in the last three years. And that is a lot more available information. Mm -hmm. They're going to get a ton more information about the house, about the community, about trends, business trends, demographic trends, economic. I mean, it's just the amount of data that is going to be dumped on the consumer's head is is going to be phenomenal in the next few years, maybe even as early as next year, augmented reality might become something that while I still don't think it'll be the norm, I think it'll be readily available for people who are on the cutting or bleeding edge. Hmm. And that's going to be even more data 
Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily know that the data is going to be useful, but there's going to be a ton of it. Yeah, and there are certainly a lot of companies that are spending gobs of money on gobs. buying up more data and analyzing it and adding it to their own algorithms to present to the consumers and to present to us in the industry as well. Right, and the consumer is going to get um, data that's going to seem like it will solve their problem. And for specific consumers, it will. Um, but I think mostly what it's going to do is is cause a lot of fear and confusion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, it, it's, it behooves us to prepare ourselves because there are some pitfalls that our clients will be uh, victims of. We've already seen that. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but their initials are Zestimate. And, um, <laughs> Just, come on, I'm 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 a Zillow fan. I don't give them a, a red hot scent, but I think what they're doing is actually really really interesting. But can I share with I was I was spinning out about this on one of my Facebook groups, um, and I haven't fully baked this theory, but it relates to what we're talking about, and that is this whole Marie Kondo or magic of tidying trend that we're seeing. Um, her book is an, an international bestseller. And now there is a series on Netflix that has, well, people are saying it's gone viral. I don't know if anybody really knows what that means anymore, but certainly there is phenomenal interest um, in the magic of tidying. And you know, I, I read the book, that was hysterical. And then of course I did everything and it all works. It's awesome. Um, <clears throat> and I watched the show and it occurs to me that the popularity of this show is revealing a, a deep-seated need in our society to have a, a guru or a guide or a teacher that can help us pair all of this this overwhelm. There's so much. There's so much input. That in, in in Marie Kondo's world, the input is all of the objects that you have in your house. But I think that it's everything. It's all the information. It's all of the all of the media that's available, the pinging, the notifications, it's just we're overwhelmed with with incoming. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like our society is looking for someone who can say, look, I know there's all this stuff out here, but here is a way to focus on just what's important to you. Mm. Right. And so I think that because this is a trend in our society, I think that's what society is looking for from all of their guides, teachers, mentors, gurus. And that would mean us. Our role to our consumer is to help them sift through all of this ridiculous amount of incoming data, some that's already here, and like I mentioned, all of the data that's probably going to be coming down on our heads soon. And to, to help them understand this is what's important to you, not just in general, not cookie cutter, not for everything, to you, this is what's important. Let me show you how to figure out what's important and why. That's what I think. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's it's really interesting because I do, that. we have seen that trend happening for a while now where we get a customized experience based on whatever the you know whatever the business knows about us they're going to be delivering the most personalized experience they they can possibly give us and Perhaps you're talking about it from a from a machine learning point of view right i'm talking about it from a teaching point of view marie kondo says and we've all heard that because it sparked joy and what she's teaching you 
is that with your physical objects, you should figure out what to keep, not what to throw away. So, so can like you I repeat said, is, that from Marie, from Marie Kondo's from, point of view? Yeah, Con Marie, that's what they call it, Con Marie. Right. Um, she's teaching you that you should focus on what you should keep, hmm. not what you should throw away. Now, I don't yet know what this sort of, but it's a rubric to understand for yourself. She's not telling you, you should keep this, you should keep that, you should throw this, you should do that. She's not telling you that. She's saying, does it spark joy for you? Hmm. There, I am certain that there is something analogous that we can give to our real estate customers that will help them to identify for themselves, not some algorithm, not some you know, slick bit of tech, not, I don't know, something that searches your database and says this is what you want, but more of a teaching. Yeah. And, and the point I was going to make is that we've, I've never bought into the notification, all the notifications on my phone. I've always been somebody who rejects all of that. And some people get frustrated because I'm not always on, I'm not always plugged into everything. Um, I happen to live way out in the country and I enjoy it and I've got 40 acres and it's very quiet and I like it that way. And the last thing I want is when I'm out walking through my trees to have my phone buzzing. And I actually don't think the algorithms are that smart yet. I think we're just barely scratching the surface and that's why the human element is still so very important. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. Because I, it I doesn't, it, you can't create a personalized experience yet with the technology. And like you said, there are some interesting things that are probably coming um, that are just not quite there yet. It hasn't really completely changed the landscape yet. So when you ask me, what should the consumers mm -hmm. and by and by extension, what should the agents be focused on for 2019? I honestly think that it is just pure humanness, hmm. connection, paying attention in a very real way to the person in front of you. Um, and I, it's something that Zillow can't do because they don't live here. Yeah. Right? It, we are always trying to grow by doing business with anybody and everybody that we can possibly come across. But there is certainly something to be said about, like you said, find out what you want to keep, find out what kind of clients you want to keep and yes. focus on those clients. Yes. Find out who you want to keep. Find out who is your audience. If I were, if I were Seth Godin, I'd be saying, find out who is your tribe. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, that's, it's really hard to do, and I would love to tell you, my audience, however many people are watching, that I could, if you could just write me a check for twenty nine ninety five, um, I'd send you an email, and it would have the magic thing. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's. I was just speaking with Treasure Davis in Colorado Springs earlier today, and she said that her mentor told her to create avatars of her perfect client and to figure out who do you want to work with, who brings you joy, and then only work with those people. And when she first heard that advice, she rejected it. She said, no way, I want to work with everybody. From In, the, in this 20-mile radius, I want to work with everybody. I love helping all families. And over time, she learned, man, that was really good advice. I should have followed it a long time ago because as she started to follow it, her business took off. I think I told you just a few minutes ago before we got on here, she did 125 listings herself. Her team did 360 listings. Or I'm sorry, 360 transaction sites. And she said she really focuses now on 
those perfect clients for her, that avatar or that marketing persona. That's why we baked it straight into our tagline. Cool people for cool yeah. homes. That's great advice. So then <clears throat> as these other, um, all right. So as these technology companies, you know, there's, uh, Zillow is trying new things. There's always brokerages, Redfin and others that are, um, that are popping up in new markets and they're, they've got a lot of very deep pockets and they're popping up all over the place. What do real estate agents, teams, broker owners need to do to start insulating themselves from any new competition that might be arising? Well, I mean, I personally think it's ridiculous for almost any non-huge national conglomerate to try to compete with those big boys on in in their in their game. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's there are some sizable reason, regional companies in my area, and they're they're chasing the proprietary technology, and uh, there are individual real estate agents and teams that are thinking, if I just use this bit of tech, I'm going to, you know, it's going to be amazing. And we're going to, we're going to be able to outbox, you know, Zillow. You're, you're, you're crazy, quite frankly. Um, in my opinion, the way you insulate is that you do what none of these companies can do. I mean, zero, Zippo, none of them. And that is to cultivate relationships and I know I'm just, I keep saying this again and again and again, but it is getting even more vital and really the only way to compete, to cultivate the relationships in your community, in your sphere of influence, and make sure that you are doing the really hard work on a consistent basis of cultivating trust relationship and owning that space in their head as the real estate person of choice in their life. Because Every person that you know is connected in some way to 10 real estate deals this year. Mm. They're not connecting you with the real estate deals they're connected to. Why is that? And I get into another sermon on that one, but the deeper you get into the work and it's hard and it's consistent and you've got to be vulnerable. And what I mean by vulnerable is in my case, calling somebody up, Calling up somebody in my sphere of influence, knowing that I don't have the time and attention to be their best friend, because I don't, mm -hmm. but still saying hello, how are you, and risking that they either are going to want too much from me that I'm not willing to give, or them saying, you know, piss off, you haven't called me in a year, why are you calling me now? I have to be vulnerable enough to court that um, and you, I've been on video many times saying I don't have time to, for chitty chatty. And the translation for that is I don't want to be vulnerable, but I think that's what we have to be in this new world because a computer can't be, and we can. Yeah. There's been a trend anyway. I mean, for a while there, it seemed like there was consolidation and these companies were buying up um, other companies and merge, mergers. And I'm not just talking about real estate. I'm talking about, you know, think about Walmart and these other big companies would come in and shut down other businesses. And mm -hmm. then we've seen that shift a little bit. There's still room for um, efficiencies gained by consolidating businesses and having these big department stores. And that will be true of real estate shops as well with 
lower commission splits or, or lower overall commission, there'll be room for that. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be room for Kendall's flavor of real estate, your style, um, the relationships that you have are going to carry you through any of that. Yeah. So what I have to say about that is that in survey after survey after survey, many of them done by companies like Zillow, the number one thing that the cons- the, co- the consumer says they want is is a professional that they can trust. Mm. So the only reason that they're going to go to multinational conglomerate that we shall not name that is charging 1% for the listing, as an example, mm-hmm. the only reason they're going there for the most part, there's some consumers that want price above all else and there's nothing you can do about that, right? Yeah, I'm not right. talking about that. But the reason people will go to it nine times out of 10 is because they don't have a real estate professional that they trust enough to deliver a full price value. And since they don't trust them to deliver a full price value, 1% sounds pretty damn good. Yeah, no kidding. And my, uh, my brother who I was just talking to last week was telling me stories about how now uh, he does a lot of corporate law and a lot of bankruptcy law. And he told me, He's got so many clients coming to him now that organized their business using the internet legal, like those really fast zoomy type of legal services. Mm -hmm. And they got into trouble because the contract didn't, wasn't customized enough to their unique situation and didn't protect them from what they might be um, exposed to. And so now he's having to go back and clean up. And so this is a hard lesson that some people are learning now about, going with a discount is not always the best thing and going True. with it. So many of our customers are only going to buy or sell once, twice, maybe three times in a generation. Yeah. So it's not a chance to do over, right? Like next year, they're probably not going to do that. So it's really up to us yeah. uh, to, to educate people on the value that you provide well before they ever need your services. I was just talking about it in another Facebook group. I was saying, you know, why is it that we talk and give webinars about the 19 fastest ways to get a listing? And, 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 we, and we don't talk about the 100 ways that we can showcase value, create trust, create relationships that will, bring, that will attract the listings to us right? We never talk about that because it's hard and it's boring and, and it's not magic. And, and, and so many real estate agents are hanging by a thread. And so they really do need 19 fast ways to get a listing because that's the only way they're going to stay in business. It's, it's, it's sad. I don't have the answer for that. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if, if you did a poll of consumers, if you just took a random swath of consumers, homeowners, let's say, and you asked them to estimate the value of a Mercedes and a BMW and an Audi and another luxury car, pick your favorite luxury car, car brand. And, and, uh, we just take the, their standard four door sedan and say, Mr. And Mrs. Consumer estimate the value of this car. How much would it be worth? They probably get it pretty close. Yes. Because it's a transaction. It's a transaction. If you said how much value is there with working with your listing agent, is it worth 6% or how much of the transaction is that worth? I and, wonder. And for any consumer who sees a real estate purchase or sell as a transaction is going to have a pretty low value for the real estate agent. Yeah. And frankly, most real estate agents see their service as highly transactional. Mm-hmm. And therefore they're willing to 
go to a lower commission than someone who sees this as a professional relationship mm-hmm. and a professional uh, as a as an expert and guide um, for like all things related to real estate. So which one are you going to be? Are you going to be a facilitator of a transaction or are you going to be a professional and an expert in that person's life, guiding them towards getting what it is that they need or want or both? And so in that way, just like you talked about earlier, you don't need to worry so much about what everybody else is doing. You don't need to worry about the big companies coming in. If Unless you are yourself a big regional player, um, if you are a real estate team, a, a local brokerage, a boutique of any kind, you're not going to really need to worry about it. No, I don't think so. As long as you, as long as you lean into what you do that no multi-conglomerate, national conglomerate could possibly do. If you're a huge regional player, that's a whole nother kettle of fish. Mm -hmm. You've got to play at a volume that means that you have to deal with that. Yeah. You know, you guess you would be like one big company that comes to mind that's focused on bringing in agents that have those relationships and that could be really cool too. Yeah. So then for the average agent, um, as these things are changing, and I don't say average agent in a derogatory manner, I mean, um, for the hardworking, um, salt of the earth agents, (laughs) you're talking about the journeyman agent. Yes. For the journeyman agent. What, what, um, we, we've outlined a few things that we, we can talk about today to help going forward. We talked about why automation matters, why process matters, oh, and, yeah. and we talked about accountability for yourself and for your team. Right. So let's start with process. Okay. Why is process so important? So many people talk about systems, 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 process, process, process. What's the big deal? Well, for anybody who has a Redfin in their area, Redfin, their their whole value really is on their process, mm-hmm. right? They yeah. have these they have these these well thought out, professionally designed processy, uh, and they're so good that one agent can handle, you know, I don't know how many the hundreds, literally. I think he, the, the the volume that an average Redfin team leader, or whatever they call them, is not human. And the only reason they can do that, at least at their level, not my level, but for what they do, uh, is their process, right? Um, And the reason process is so important is the the days of being a winging it reactionary agent and still be able to create a sustainable business are gone. And they're gone because at some level, your, your reactionary style is destroying the trust of your client and what you're doing. They know, they can sense that you are on the edge of getting things done. Mm -hmm. And this does not create the kind of trust that will own the real estate space in their brain, and they will not be the ones connecting you to the 10 deals they know about. Now, if you have a process, it means that you're not relying on your energy past experience or just basic ability to stay in freak out mode on a 24-7 basis to get things done, when you process, you've already thought about what's going to happen in the transaction 
and you are handling problems before your client ever knew that it was a problem. And what the customer experiences, this profound sense of, what was that, what, what was that insurance company? This, you know, I've, we, we've got you, whoever the heck that was. They, they, they experience this feeling like you've got their backs. Is that all state? Are you in good hands? Something like like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Whoever does this, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? When you have a process, then you can do that at scale. Mm -hmm. Because all of the stuff that could be anticipated has already been thought about, you know, and and by the way, you could probably delegate somebody else to do those things because you've already thought about them. You have to worry about their knowledge and experience. And you are available for humanness, not yeah. red tape bullshit. I, can I say I, it? Yeah, sure, I can say it. sure. I I won't say it, but you can say okay, it. Okay, but I will. Yeah. So I've talked to so many agents all the time, and whenever I talk to somebody that's doing maybe let's just say fewer than thirty transactions, I, I shouldn't say whenever, but oftentimes I talk to somebody that are they're doing fewer than thirty transactions. They say, well, but I can handle it just fine without a process. So why would I want to? create a process because I'm doing just fine. What, what and they you- are. Well, they really aren't. 30 transactions and well, in California, 30 transactions is going to consume your life. Yeah. Whole life. Right. And so they think they can handle it without a process. What would you say to them? If somebody's sitting in front of you that says, I don't need a process. I run everything off my phone. I have paper checklists. What do you say to that person? Stop being such a scaredy cat. Hmm. You are, you're a scaredy cat. I, you know, you're, you're afraid that your value is in your ability to stay in constant freakout mode. You're afraid that if you don't stay in freakout mode, putting out fires around the clock that I'm just going to say it because you're going to hate me anyway, that you probably created in the first place, um, that you, that you will have no value, that you won't be important, that you won't have, that your clients won't see your superhero cape that you are so proud of. Hmm. And that if they don't see your superhero cape, how are you going to get the referrals that if you checked, you probably aren't getting, you're, you're afraid. That's all I have to say. And you're also so wrapped up in your day-to-day moment-to-moment importance that you probably think you don't have time to document your process. You're afraid that if you take the time to document your process, that you're going to lose like, I don't know, maybe your whole business. Um, certainly yeah. you're afraid you can lose a deal. That's like two, the, or... that's what I call the busy waiter phenomenon. What my first job was working at Applebee's and, um, I remember noticing these two servers and one of them, their hair was always on fire. They're just running around crazy all night long. And they were having to apologize all the time for things that were going wrong. And then there was this other gal. I remember she was very careful about how she moved around even and how she wrote down all notes about every conversation she had with her tables and things seemed to go so much smoother than her. And I found out six months later after observing them that the calm collected uh, server made way more in tips than the busy, crazy hair on fire person uh, because she could handle more clients uh, at a time, she could handle more tables at a time. It's the same in the real estate business. If we calm down a little bit, plan ahead, create processes for everything we're doing, you you can actually accomplish more and your value actually increases to the clients. I know what you're trying to say is, not what you're trying to say, the point you're making, one of the points you're making is that it's easy to prove how valuable you are 
if you can show your clients how crazy busy you are? I think that a lot of agents lost you for a second there. What my, my voicemail said, Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. One of the, my voicemail says, you know, I'll, I, I will, I'm paying attention to the person in front of me. I'll return your phone call um, as soon as I can so I can pay attention to you. Right. And that was because that, that voicemail was developed out of reaction of seeing so many real estate agents with their cell phone glued to their ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may not be that unconscionably rude. And I don't say you, Dale, I'm talking to the audience. Um, and, and, you may be thinking, oh, I'm not that person. Um, it, there's a lot of things that you could be thinking right now. And I see it so often. And if you're happy with the way things are going, keep going by all means. Um, but I know pretty much to a predictable degree that if you don't have any process, you are a hair on fire agent or you're doing less than five deals a year in California anyway. And um, so the, that advantage that somebody like Redfin would have is almost entirely because of just the process, strictly process. Yes. They don't have the humanness at all. Um, they're not equipped to handle problems that are not process driven. They're not equipped to handle problems that are not specifically about solving loan problems or escrow problems or paperwork problems, right? If it's a human problem, um, it's not there. Uh, but their processes are amazing. Yeah, and I did if the math. If you have the process and you bring your humanness, what is Redfin going to do against you? Yeah, they can't. They can't do anything. You, you're, you have a defensible beachhead of your own clients in your own little sphere, and you can, you can hold yes. the line. Yeah, yes, I did. But it's really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. Easier said than done. Yeah. No check for 2995 is going to do that. Yeah. No. 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 Um, money can solve your problem, though, but it would take a lot of money unless you're willing to commit yourself to doing it. Yeah. I you think to... money actually could happen. You could hire, mm-hmm. but. You could. You could hire it. But if you made it a focus of your business, there's lots of different approaches and there's a blend of approaches that could help you create process. And I did the math just for fun. I wanted to share this. Last year when the broker numbers all came out, the rankings came out, I did the math and the Redfin agents did three times the number of, on average, did three times the number of transactions as second and third place in terms of productivity. And they did more than 10 times the average agent in productivity. So they are cranking out a lot yep. of transactions per agent. We won't, we, we don't see all the dead bodies littered in the pathway as long to making that happen, but sure. Yeah. And it's, the way I always approach it is um, I look at trying to compliment them and see what they're doing really well. They do um, a lot of amazingly well. Yeah. They do a lot really well. It's a really smart approach that they're taking it's but just not the approach. Yeah. It's not the approach you and I would take and the approach that you and I would take. Um, there's plenty of room for that. And there's lots of people that love you because of your approach. Well, I, I let, let's, let's just say that the value is really different. Yeah. 
It's not even, I mean, it's not even apples to apples. Experience. There's a lot of deals that are going to go together no matter who does it. Closing escrow is not the same thing as closing escrow well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, closing, check, check in the boxes is different than delivering you know, a great experience for a client. It's, and, and that sounds, God, you know, you're sitting there, it's like great experience. Well, who cares as long as I get the keys to the house and I move in? Trust me, you care. But let's just talk about, you know, like, let's just talk about the collateral damage after the case. Mm. You know, what are you really walking into and what are you going to be dealing with after the close of escrow? So, I don't know. Well, yeah, and, and the, the, the best, healthiest businesses are built on repeat and referral. At least, at least uh, you know, a large portion of, of the transactions and the listings that you take every year should be coming from We're talking about referral. somebody's, yeah, we're talking about somebody's lives. Right? We're talking about somebody's lives. We're talking about their family. We're talking about the roof over their head and where they're making the memories. We're not talking about buying a loaf of freaking bread. Or as somebody we both know used to say, we're not talking about buying a latte. Okay? So, you know, if we're talking about creating, completing the transaction as the only value, well, yeah. Actually, lots of people can do that. Get you the keys. But it's so much more than that. Yeah. So we talked about process. How does automation fit into this then? Okay. Well, now we're talking about scale and having a life, right? Right. So you keep using that word scale. What does scale mean to you? (laughs) Yeah. I I had to have you identify it for me. (laughs) I'm like, I don't don't speak sexy MBA speak. What does scale mean? So as I define it, it is the ability to do a larger um, and hopefully, in in my case, a much larger volume um, than what I had been as a hair on fire agent. Mm-hmm. Um, but to do it in the same quality while delivering the same experience and maintaining my same lifestyle as I did when I was doing a lower volume, mm-hmm. right? So being able to do more at the same level. And some agents yeah. are looking to do less or sorry, some agents are looking to do the same with less involvement in their business. And, and that, that also, scale, right? yeah, that's also scale. You, you're scaling yourself beyond what you could do without automation. And right. so in that way, you can get time back, do the same level of volume, but get some time right, back. Right, right. Okay. So most of the people that I talk to who are interested in Realvolve or even paying any attention to Realvolve are agents who who rank really high on the freaky OCD scale. Like, you know, they're, they're just pretty high up there, right? They, they, they want things to be perfect. They want to control things. They want their clients to perceive their perfection. Um, they can't stand details falling through the cracks. Um, and there's a healthy, there's a healthy amount of, or sometimes unhealthy amount of nobody can do it as well as I can. Yeah. Um, agreed. Yes. Yeah. Right. So automation is, and, and I, I'm like squarely, like I, I, I'm the alpha user. I define that. Yeah. So, so for somebody like me, automation is the only way you can scale. I mean, is the only way you, you talked it, when you first came to Realvolve, I remember you did this, this thingy about hiring people, delegation or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I didn't tell you at the time, but that talk gave me hives. I mean, it gave me literal hives. I, want, I broke out. I was like itching. I needed Benadryl. It was, it was just like, ooh, terrible. And it's because 
of my deep-seated beliefs that nobody can do it better than me, which of course is bullshit. And I know that, and you know that, but you know, give me my narcissism and I have so few things. Just Maybe not better, just different. That's what I always say. (laughs) So, so what automation does is it allows me to take my peculiar brand of craziness and detail and communication. I'm a communications major. I studied how humans receive my message and how they how they react to it, right? It allows me to do that and to propagate it throughout my system so that somebody else can actually distribute, if you will, my particular brand of communication, distribute it down to the timing, the tone, the words, like everything, and I didn't actually have to do it. Mm. That's what automation is. Um, and to be able to do it, and one of my, my one of my things is canned messages are you know a pretty big no no, right? But because our, our automations are so incredibly powerful, it allows me to create those automations so that the person receiving it feels like it was really authentically uniquely for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And it sounds like me because well, it was me. And then the other thing about automations is. Because because we write it once and or create it once and it goes out, I'm able to do so much more than I could have done if I was doing it on the fly, re- recreating the wheel every single time, right? So little flourishes, little thoughtfulness, um, you know, that brilliant idea. Um, I just thought of one literally this morning, actually, and that was when a seller sells their house and closes escrow and moves away from me, how do I stay relevant so that they'll continue to talk to me with the people that are back home, right? They talk about me to the people who are back home. Um, and what I did was this is, she's been, she's moved uh, four days ago and I sent her an email and now this email is a template and it goes into the workflow and the email is like, you know what? I'll bet you, you don't basic kitchen implements are in a box somewhere and you haven't found them yet you're starving uh i i found these three restaurants in your neighborhood that sound really cool here's the links Hmm. right i mean like i don't know i don't know where she lives i don't know if they're cool she knows i don't know that they're cool but the thoughtfulness in selecting three restaurants one was dog friendly and she's a huge dog person right so they were clearly with her in mind I think will be received as super thoughtful and still being valuable in her lifestyle, right? So like I can't automate finding the three restaurants, but I can certain I mean like like I can't write a template that has three restaurants that works for everybody, mm-hmm. but I can write the shell of the letter and I can send a text message to myself or any listing agent on my team reminding them do that. And if I get enough staff, maybe I can make it so the staff actually does the research for the restaurants, plugs it into the template, and then tells the listing agent to send it. Hmm. Right? But that's an automation. Yeah, I like that. And the automation, the point you made, the automation, if it's, if it's, what we say here is if it's a work of art, then nobody will sniff it out as automation. It has to be anticipated. It has to be relevant to them and it has to be timely. So they need to know that you're going to be sending them these kinds of communications. You can create that expectation through the relationship. It needs to be relevant to what they're doing now. 
there's a lot of companies that will automate these long-term drip campaigns that have nothing to do with anything that's going on in my life. I, my favorite ones are, you know, I'll get this, these emails from my agent and, um, I know the technology landscape in real estate. And so I know who he's subscribing to and I get that email from him. And then I get that email from other people around the industry. It's the same email and it's the leaves are changing. And this is the time where I reflect on, no, you're not (laughs) reflecting because I got the same email from like three people, but that isn't anticipated. It's not that relevant and it's not that timely, but it's still better than nothing. So I always say, at least do some drip campaigns and then make it way better by creating the automations like you talked about in Realvolve where you customize it and make it so much better. But so many agents don't have anything going on at all. Nothing. I, I, I fundamentally object to anything is better than nothing, but I know you're right. I just don't like it. I'm just um, going on research, not yeah, my no. gut feeling. You're, you're, you are right. I, 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 as much as it, and that's not your style. It's not your style to do that. I I don't want anybody to hear this and say, Oh, well, Kendall says I should just, you know, if I can't do it the way she does it, don't do anything at all because I'm not right. Dale's right. You you should do something. And if the only thing that you can do is to buy somebody's prepackaged drip, then do that. But you know what? It's, it's, it's not that hard to look at the drips. I'm sure every drip lets you look at it and at least edit it a little bit. Sure. Yeah. It's not that hard to look at each message and try to put your own little personal thing into it. And then here's the other thing that I will say for any automation, any, any marketing automation, any transactional automation, anything, I want you, when you look at that one, whether you buy it or you create it, I want you to look at it and you want, I want you to think about when that person receives it, what are they most likely thinking? What are they most likely feeling? And then try to talk to that. If you do just that, even if it's one sentence that you've added or modified in a drip that you've purchased or inherited or whatever, it'll be so much better. Yeah. So much better. You're so right about that. You know, and one thing that I, one rule that I have for myself, because I have a pretty high standard and this goes exactly against what you were talking about with OCD. So you're a little bit OCD. I'm not OCD at all, but I do have high standards. I'm actually pretty lazy. If you uncover and peel back the layers of the onion, I'm actually pretty lazy at heart. And I force myself because I'm pretty disciplined. I force myself to, to live up to my own high standards that I have for myself and for my team. Um, and I think that's what, what makes me good at automation is because I'm so lazy. I don't want to have to do something three times. And so I at least have the foresight to say, I'm going to automate this so that we don't have to keep doing it over and over again. I'm not OCD, but I do have a high standard and the rule that I apply to myself and to my team. And they tell me this now, I want to bring it to 85% of what I think is possible for us as a team and then run it. So when I'm building automation, we're building campaigns, we're doing webinars, we're doing all this stuff. As long as it's 85% there or better, we go with it. Because what happens over time is my 85% now becomes higher the next time. And it's better than it was the last time. But it's still only at 85% of my current capacity. And that's the way I approach automation because then... I start immediately reaping the benefits of having more time, having these automations scale like you talked about earlier. So 
I actually think because I'm lazy, I'm really good at automation. <laughs> I'm I'm not lazy. I am OCD, but I definitely because I'm you know crazy and I want to do everything. Yeah, the time saving thing is huge. I yeah. hate doing yeah. data entry more than once. Hate it. Right. So yeah. any way that I can eliminate a step, I'm 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 all for it. Yeah, I'm pretty disciplined, but I'm always looking for um, how can I how can I never have to do this again? <laughs> that, that kind of an angle. On I'm things. actually right in there with you yeah. for different reasons, but I'm totally in there with you. I'm I'm this the typical person where I love to start projects and I don't like finishing them. Um, a lot of us are in that same boat. I love new things and novelty. It's really exciting to my brain. Most of us are like that. So that's why I just want to push through to 85% and then run with it. And then I get the benefits um, forever almost. So let's talk about accountability with the few minutes left that we have here. How do you approach accountability for yourself and for your team? And if we can work in how that ties into the discussion about, you know, new competitors coming in, new technologies coming in, consumers thinking they can do things themselves. How do you approach the accountability for yourself and for your team in terms of process and automation to insulate your, your business? I have a coach. Hmm. He's a royal pain in the ass. <laughs> and that's why he's good. Yeah. He yells at me a lot. I, he yells at me a lot less now than he did in the beginning. Um, but yeah, I, I have a coach and I think that's, I think that's important to either have a paid coach or somebody in your life who's functions as your accountability partner. How long have it's you been so working with this coach? 17 years. Wow. Same coach, 17 years. I'm stubborn. Um, <laughs> he's stubborn. We're both stubborn. So um, did you yeah. have a coach before that? Yes. Have you always yeah. had a coach? No. Well, you remember, I've been doing this a really long time. So my start in real estate predates coaching. You started really young. Period. Um, yeah, I did. Um, and I'm old, both. So it's a combination of both. Um, but <laughs> I'm older than you. You're um, definitely older than me, but you're not old. Do you know I'm the second oldest person in the company, but that's beside the point. Um, so it's a part of that. <laughs> It's a part of that, um, and I'm I'm I naturally love to check things off of lists. Hmm. I love my calendar. I love, um, yeah, I love my to do list. I do something that I call concordance every morning, and I love that. So What's concordance. I, I, uh, it's it's part of my morning routine. Um, concordance is essentially checking in with myself. Yeah. Okay. So it changes. It, it it it's it's morphed as to what it actually contains. But it is essentially checking my priorities and trying to make sure that I don't start the day spinning off in the stratosphere on things that are urgent but not important. You mm. know, I know you love you, you love your Covey. So I do love I. Love my Stephen R. Covey. Yeah, me too. Um, so yeah, I try to stay as much as possible in the important quadrant, and I, I try to eliminate urgent from happening altogether. Um, and so it's that it's it that is my accountability. Um, and it takes and again it takes a lot of different forms. Um, but yeah, lists and calendars are a big part of it. And I find my team, my team holds themselves accountable once we, as long as we come up with goals and we come up with these traditions, like you have your concordance and we have daily huddles and things that we do with our team internally. 
I find that if you hire the right people, they kind of hold themselves accountable. I do. I don't let them it's, shortcut. I, we have to the right framework. They right. Want. That's exactly right. That's the way I look at it is we have these traditions. We don't break tradition. We get together and share what we're all working on and we have a daily huddle, right? So that is all the accountability that I feel is needed for good quality people because then they hold themselves accountable or just yes. by looking at the other team members in the eyes and sharing. In the real estate world. You're... Go ahead. Are you back? Yes. Am I'm I back? back. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, in, in, when you say daily huddle, you just gave all of the real estate industry a major case of the hives because talking to anybody on a daily basis is not something. I actually tried it. I did that for, I think, two, three years here at Diggs um, where I tried to get them to talk to me daily, and it was just it, – it ultimately proved to not be worth the struggle. Hmm. Um so when we talk about what I do within my company um, and team, we have we have two physical meetings, um, and up. they they're highly prized. My agents highly prize them. One is a I guess a, a weekly meeting, um, and the second one is a training. And they prize it because I make it very high value for them. Um, they learn a lot. They get a lot. Um, it's there's not a second wasted. Um, and so there's that. And then we use an internal communications uh, platform, which is Slack. And like with any kind of Facebook group, internal said it, it all it's on me to keep the conversation going. I can't just like start Slack and then expect my agents to just be so connected to each other and ducking all the time. You know, it, it is all on me. And that's another form of my own accountability to them. Mm. Yeah? That's part of the value you bring and it helps to hold them accountable. Yeah. I mean, I am not the broker who is sitting around at her desk going, why don't you sell more houses? Always be closing. You know, I'm, I'm investing in them and in the company um, as much and in many cases more than they are doing for themselves. Hmm. Um, and uh, Brene Brown said something that just, it slays me. I've been thinking about this all week. She says, shit starts, shit starts at the top and rolls downhill and lands in the consumer's lap. <laughs> and I really think that the accountability that I hold myself to is an example for the agents and they in turn are holding themselves accountable so that their customers get more. Hmm. So how do you approach goal setting with, with them? Mm, right now it's very, it's very individualized. Goal setting, I think, is an internal mechanism um, that manifests differently for some people. Some people need the BHAG. Mm -hmm. They need the great, big, unimaginable, reach for the brass ring goal that they know they're never going to get to, the moonshot. But in the process of trying to get to the moonshot, they accomplish more than they ever thought was possible. Some people do really well with that. Some people defeat themselves before they even get out of bed in the morning because they just can't emotionally deal with that. Hmm. Um, some people need a goal that they can feel good about because they know they're going to reach it and they know that it was a goal that was high enough that they stretched themselves at least a little bit, right? Right. Um, and some people really need micro goals. They need to win every day. And if they don't get to win every day, then, you know, and and – they, they just collapse. So 
I'm a small enough company that I can do that. When I get bigger, when, when I get bigger, um, that won't be necessarily feasible and I'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. Well, I like that approach. I'm, I'm definitely the kind of person that likes the big moonshots because I feel like I can see, I can connect the dots and Augmandino, um, and greatest salesman in the world talks about if you aim your spear at the moon, you might hit an eagle instead of aiming at an eagle and hitting a rock. So there's lots of wisdom in that, but I, I don't think. Yeah, it doesn't work for everybody. That's for sure. I've got salespeople on my team. It doesn't work for. It just yeah. is discouraging um, for them to even think that big, and they but just they definitely need realistic. They get defeated. Yeah. And if they get defeated, then they don't even reach their potential. Right. Yeah, I I like that an individual approach. So um, uh, we're about out of time. I just wanted to say thank you so much, Kendall, for joining me today. It's always a treat to talk with you. And uh, it was fun to cover a, a different topic than we normally cover. So um, again, this was recorded, so it's going to be sent out to everybody um, that's watching it live here. And uh, we'll also just send out an email to invite anybody that had to drop off early or somebody that joined late, you will get the recording. And uh, again, thank you so much for your time, Kendall. And I look forward to chatting with you hopefully later this week. Always. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye for now.